I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Winners of the East London Challenge Cup soon after their formation in 1885. The old Millwall Rovers are now known to their roaring supporters as the Lions. Ladies and gentlemen, broadcasting from beautiful South Bermondsey, this is Achtung Millwall. Good afternoon, welcome to South Bermondsey Remembrance Day match at uh, the Den. Millwall playing Burton Albion today. Seems just entering the pitch, been a fantastic um, presence by the army and armed forces outside the ground, taking contributions for the, the poppy appeal, of course, which is um, now on. Hope everyone out there has bought their, their, their red poppy and not that nonsense of a white poppy. Welcome to the show, dear listeners. You are, of course, listening to Akdung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. Um, we're just a watching the teams um, shake hands prior to the game. There's going to be a minute's silence, which uh, we will respect on this show. I hope you endorse that and um, support it. So we're just waiting for the teams to um, finish the, the pre-match ritual. We have uh, players on the pitch who have um, formed a guard of honour for them to, as they come on. And then there'll be a, a, a minute's silence. So bear with me, dear listeners. I was actually caught mid-meat pie, dear listeners, and as, as the teams came out, I was um, slightly caught on the hop, halfway through my steak and ale pie, and uh, beloved mug, mug of Botherill. But anyway, enough of that nonsense. Teams are now going to line up in the centre circle. Four, four soldiers in, in um, khaki uh, drab uniforms with two red reeves out there, I see. Um, obviously gathering in the centre spot with the referee and uh, Zampa the line and so on. But we're just lining up for the, the pre-match, um, pre-match uh, ceremonies. Achtung, Mehlball. Den falls silent. I've always wanted to do one of those royal funerals, you know, where the, 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 there's a, that bloke who does the, um, he has the voice, doesn't he? Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up, wrap up now. Which will signal a minute's silence to remember the call. The silence will be followed by the viewers and will end on the referee's whistle. Please remain standing and silent until the referee blows his whistle. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
Fantastic. Last poster, I believe that was uh, was a Rivali, I believe. Not that I'm uh, any kind of military man. Well received by the crowd, as you can hear. This club prides itself on its support for our armed forces. And once again, we've proven we, uh, how well we do it. There you go. Team news, incidental to the main um, event there, which was the remembrance ceremony. Team news, obviously, is the arrival of uh, Tony Craig in central defence in replacement for the sent-off Jake Cooper. Sent off up there in the last minute of um, the game up at Sheffield Wednesday. Now, that game was covered for me um, very well by uh, Dan Goodwin of Lions TV. So I'm just going to cut away now as the game's just kicked off. I'm going to rewind you back to Sheffield Wednesday last Tuesday night. Achtung, Mehlball. Thank you, we're filling in for Nick Hart at uh, Hillsborough. Uh, Nick's beautiful caramel voice won't be bringing a game to you tonight. He done me a favourite Cardiff and I'll be returning that favour. <laughs> Big team news in. Three changes, ain't no Brian Lee Gregory and Steve Morrison drops to the bench. No one likes us! No one likes us! We don't care! Fred on your dinner. Tom Elliott and Shane Ferguson coming in. Big changes, man. I'm not sure why that is, but the manager's gone with it. Around 400 or so Millwall fans. They'll be attacking the goal that we're behind. Start the first half. On the instruction of uh, your leader, Nick Hart, I was re told to report it after 15 minutes. It's already 1-1. Sheffield Wednesday took the lead after about six. Uh, ball out wide uh, to our right. Easy for him to cross in and attacked in. Followed up by that with a great save from Jordan Archer. And we've come straight to the other end. Fred running there back four. Very direct. His shot was saved. And Tom Elliott, Kung Fu-esque, finishes off 1-0 in front of the away fans. In delirium. See you in 15 minutes. Moving up to the half hour, gone. Game's quietened down finally. Explosive start. Mill, we've been on top here. Uh, the Elliott and Fred Combat front really is causing them problems. They're maybe not as quite technically gifted as Morrison and Gregory with their link up, but they just sort of hustle and bustle and bundle through people. Here's Fred now on the halfway line. They're looking dangerous up front. We're in with every chance here of winning the game. Right on the stroke of half time. Shock. Against the run of play, Sheffield Wednesday take the lead. Free header from a corner. Bad, bad marking, bad defensive play from Millwall. Jordan Rhodes heads in unmarked from six yards. Half time from Hillsborough. Sheffield Wednesday two, Millwall one. You know, they've had, they've had probably a great save from Jordan Archer aside. We've been a better team in the, in the half. Just again falling short in the final third and giving the opposition too much space and respect out wide. Second goal, three from a corner, needs, needs to be defended a lot better than that. First goal, 
from the same side, from our right-hand side. The guy gets acres of room, gets time to settle on the ball, cross it in, and it's stabbed in from about seven yards for the opener. We're well in the game. We've been the better side. Shane Ferguson's been horrendous for me, left midfield. With Aiden on the bench, I'll bring on Aiden O'Brien for a goal threat. Front two have been superb, Elliot and, and Fred, you can't knock them. I think it's only a matter of time before Fred gets yanked now and you see Gregors. We're still in it, still a massive chance. Come on, you Lions. Achtung, Milball. We're back for the second half, and after a very explosive start to the first half, it's been a quiet start to the second. Sheffield wins, they're on the attack. Barry Bannon moves the ball quickly, good cross in. Goes all the way across the box, and James Meredith. Oh, we'll let that run, is a bit, bit naughty there. Here comes Jeb Wallace now. Central, about 30 yards out. It's a great ball in. Ferguson! Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, Fergie! Straight at the keeper. Great ball from Wallace. Ferguson was in and just doesn't just doesn't fucking look like it's interesting to me, sorry, but he's, he's got no aggression about it. Tony Cliff gave the ball right there, done well to win it back to be fair, but he's another one for me, the game just seems to pass him by. Game's died a death now massively, second half hasn't been as good from either side to be honest. We're moving into the last minute of the game. It looks as if we've conceded defeat here. We're in trouble here. Back post. Fantastic block by McLaughlin. He's injured himself in the process. The game's over, finished 2 1. Second half was a bit of nothing, but the big thing that's happened for us there at the very end, Jake Cooper's been sent off for a second bookable, so he's now out of Saturday's game. Byron Webster was sitting behind me on crutches, so obviously he's still not fit. Oh, he's in front of me now. So we've got, mass- we've got a massive problem Saturday. Tony Cray probably centre half. We was unlucky again first half, you know, there was questions asked about the the, the attacking decisions, but the front two was superb, Elliot and, uh, and Fred. We was at the back, we got caught out, poor marking, and now we're in a whole world of trouble Saturday. Onwards and upwards, come on you lines. Arrivederci, Milval. Welcome back to the den. Lines have opened up and we're attacking. Lines on the attack. It's a little throw in on the on the right hand side to find Jeb Wallace who overruns it, dear listeners. Listeners will be pleased to know that I've now finished my steak and our pie. These are the details you need to know on this show, dear listeners. Otherwise, how you know you can get other podcasts to talk about sport and the and the um, modern football. Lines on the break here. One and a half minutes, Aidan O'Brien coming down the left. Burton come into this game, I think, with the second highest goals conceded track record in the league. Shot that was uh, harmless enough straight into the arms of Stephen Bywater, I think was a name that was um, in amongst my list of worst ever Millwall players. He, he made the cut, Stephen Bywater. Clad in British Rail Orange, Guantanamo Bay Orange. In addition to Steve, uh, Tony Craig in defence, we've got Steve Morrison up front, Lee Gregory. They were rested in the week, Elliot and, and uh, Fred started up there at Hillsborough. But back to the um, back to the old school today. One ball over the top towards Lee Gregory on three minutes. Again, by Walters equal to that particular task. Um, Burton, one of the newer members of the Football League, of course. It's only about ten years ago since they actually entered the Football League itself from the non-league world. And uh, having been up to their ground, you can certainly see it's non non-league antecedents. It's a nice little ground, terraced on um, I think it's on, on the, at least two sides. There's some low-level seating. It has the old kind of. Um, 
five steps back in a cowshed roof kind of quality, but um, that's not to be demeaning about it in any way. I quite enjoyed my trip to Burton Albion. I think we got beat up there a couple of seasons ago, last time I was there. Long ball forwards now, this is Gregors. Does all the hard work and then um, allows the ball to run out into touch. And three, three coming up to the fourth minute. Speaking before the game today, Neil Harris said it's, this is a massive game between two teams who are widely tipped to be in and around the bottom three by the majority of people. Uh, and he says that's not embarrassing, it's just a reality. I think he's right. I think most people would not have rated us to be any kind of contenders in the league this season. But there we are. We are doing well. Um, we're competing hard. We've been, only been really been beaten, as I would define it, beaten as in, as in out, outplayed by Barnsley. Otherwise, we've, we've played hard and um, been edged out of games, un un unluckily at times, having, having actually done a lot of good work. So only, only one real um, hard punch defeat. I think we're, doing, we're exceeding our expectations, to borrow that awful management phrase that I see so much of in my line of work. A lot of online comment about Tony Craig, a lot of it unfair. We all know that um, Craig's um, day has, has, has passed. Um, and he's filling in because Jake Cooper managed to um, show his naivety. He's a young boy who's naive up there at Sheffield. And that's why Tony Craig starts. But Tony Craig's as loyal a Millwall player as you can get and he'll give you 100%. And he's not that bad a player. Um, a lot of it is very unfair that you read online. A lot of it is utter, utter shit, to be quite, quite frank. Neil says that we've got to show the same intensity, the quality and the desire against Burton that we've shown against some of the bigger clubs in the division so far. I make him right. Burton, have, is it going to be the kibosh for you, dear listeners? Burton have yet to win away in a championship this season, uh, whilst Millwall's four victories have all been at the den. So um, there we are. We lined that one up to, to go wrong on us, haven't we? Tony Craig is a vital part of what we're trying to do, says Neil Harris, speaking to the news at Den during the week. He's taking his first steps on the coaching course. Um, and Neil, Neil says he's a big part of what we're trying to do here at Millwall. And moving forward, we need the captain of the club to, to be here as long as he wants to stay. So there's a, a real um, vote of confidence there for Tony Craig. As the Lions press forward again. Seven minutes, is Aidan O'Brien on the left. James Meredith is overlapping. A little bit of yellow... Um, Shirt, shirt traffic in front of it. There's a long ball over to the far side towards Conor McLaughlin. That's too long. Going to go for a goal kick. Um, yeah, so clearly Tony Craig's seen as a vital part of the, of the Mill setup, and uh, And why not? He knows the club inside out. He's Mill through and through. And um, he has taken part in a number of successful sides when he was at Brentford, for example. So, you know, I, I don't really get the, um, the torrent of online abuse. Most of it comes from social inadequates, in my opinion. Little swig of Bovril there as we go past the eighth minute. I don't know what is Bovril made out of. I've never, I don't, beef extract they say. So it's basically like drinking meat, I suppose, isn't it? Probably better we don't know. Like a lot of things, black pudding. I know it's made out of blood, but you don't really want to dwell on it for too long. But I love it. Black pudding, Bovril, um, dripping. I used to love dripping when I was a kid. My, my old nan used to produce dripping and bread. And uh, again, you don't really need to know what it is. Um, you can operate that urban. Um, you know, the urban nicety of not really thinking too deeply about where your food comes from. We have that luxury living in a major city, dear listeners, don't we? Eight and a half minutes. Talk about Tony Craig's coaching badges. Neil Harris says, I, I like uh, players doing that because it gives them understanding and an insight into the thought processes of some of my methods of coaching. Um, they've got the experience of game day, but I, Neil Harris, likes them to know the backgrounds of the coaching sessions as well. It makes sense to have as much knowledge in the football club as possible. And then the bit that I've highlighted in my notes here, Tony will be a good coach one day. Um, so clearly, as I said, a vote of confidence for Tony Craig. Neil Harris clearly sees him having a future in the game. 
And and why the fucking hell not? He's he's a great um great player, in my opinion. All right, he lacks quality, but he's a great leader. A great leader may be a better way to put it. Burton players down, having had a bang on the head. He's being bandaged up. Little broken play on ten minutes. Little pause whilst he receives um, head treatment. There was a, an, I saw some footage on was it the uh, the Channel Five show? I don't know if you ever watched Channel Five Championship Roundabout. There's some really great rising stars of TV for the future on there. Um, check out last week's show, the 28th one, if you do. There's great coverage of the Cardiff Millwall game. Um, and as I say, you know, it's like an X factor for for rising TV stars. But there was an image. Um, I can't remember which team it was. One player was knocked out, spark, and taken straight off on the on the, the stretcher to the hospital. Um, head injury is always a, a source of concern and this Burton boy is down and being bandaged up looking like the mummy some sympathy being shown to him by the, by the Lions crowd of course the five for Burton not, not the player down and actually he's got like a looks like a kind of one of those pair of headphones you have that go around the back of your head on his head I don't know what that is very strange multicoloured kind of um, like an Alice band that's fallen down behind the back of his uh, nape of his neck what is that? Is that headphones? Are you receiving instructions from on high? No, the uh, is, whoops because he's got like one of these bra things. Morrison had a bra thing on last week at Cardiff when he when he came off. Um, I don't know what it does. Um, it looks like um, like a ladies kind of sports bra affair. And the Burton player is now wearing one. He's got a new shirt on. Must have got some blood splatter on his old one. And play restarts to end my endless stream of waffle for you, dear listeners. 11 minutes. That's going to mean a a little bit of extra time at the end of the half. Couple of lines on the attack now. This is Tunnicliffe, central midfield on 12 minutes. McLaughlin's on the right. He's got Wallace overlapping him. He'll try to work a little bit of um, angle and space. Running into the, uh, the proverbial two banks of four of yellow shirts at the moment. Just struggling to break them down a little bit. 13 minutes coming up. And that's a wayward pass there from Tunnicliffe. All bouncing around on the edge of the, of the Burton penalty area. Though. This is O'Brien. Can't work it wide. And um, the Brewers will bring it away. I don't see any, exp uh, any link with the, uh, the RAF expression, gone for a Burton, as in gone for a drink, being a metaphor for being shot down by the, uh, by the Germans during World War II. Gone for a Burton. I wonder if that is linked. I don't know, but I'm going to make it sound like it is. And as my wife will tell you, I have, I have a, a method of saying things that may be totally um, abstract and make it sound like the most authoritative thing ever. This is um, Savile on the edge of the penalty. From the D's, it was shot. It's gone straight into the feet of the uh, Burton defender there. Mill retain possession on the on the left-hand side. It's been all Mill so far, first 14 minutes of the game. Burton have not pressed forwards at all. We've had, we haven't had any kind of clear-cut chances, but we've had plenty of possession and plenty of uh, plenty of ball. Yeah, memories are long down the den. West Ham can't, of course he was. I was uh, we, we had him as a goalkeeper. I did a list of worst ever Millwall players, which I may refer to during the course of today's game, if it gets a little bit um, quiet, um, because it was a fascinating list of um, worst ever Millwall players, which I may refer to during the course of today's proceedings. Bear with me, dear listeners. Bywater, of course, featured on said list. No, not, not near the top of the list, it must be said. There were worse than him. Fifteen and a half minutes, long, longish one from Meredith towards Steve Morrison. They've got two men on him. Clearly, he's seen as a, a danger man, rightly so. Ball out wide now. This is Conor McLaughlin. Can he get a shot away? He's, Deflected on for a corner on the right. Nice play by Millwall. Pressing forwards, trying to work the chance that opens the game up. So it's going to be Wallace on the right. It's, it's taken low. He's got a little training ground routine. Referee's blown up for something. Pulling, possibly. 
it was a little uh, low cross to, to McLaughlin who was coming in with a side foot shot as wide of the, of the mark in any event. First foray forwards for Burton on 17 minutes. It's going to be a long throw on the right-hand side. It's in towards the six-yard box. That's going to go straight out for a goal kick. No danger there, dear listeners. So, yeah, my wife says to me, what are you doing? I've got a page in my notebook absolutely scrawled in names. These are the lists of worst-ever Millwall players. So um, I'm sure you're dying to know who the worst-ever player of all time, according to the, the totally unbiased uh, jury of Twitter. And that person was, of course, Gary Taylor Fletcher. I suppose if I was any kind of theatrical uh, Craig Revel Horwood type, I would have done it in reverse order. But um, I don't want to be associated with that. After, after all those um, snippy comments I had about my media whoredom on Channel 5 last week, I've got to try and restore my manhood here. Gary Taylor Fletcher, anyway, um, drew the, the most numbers of the worst ever player to pull on a Millwall shirt. One of the, um, the clowns' late-era signings, of course. A man clearly out of condition and totally bereft of any kind of um, footballing um, brain, as far as it struck me. He was always like nearly near the ball, wasn't he, Gary Taylor Fletcher? It's one of the, one of the low points of, of recent Mill history. Here's a break down the, the, the left wing now. This is Aidan O'Brien with space in front of him. He's got Wallace inside of him. He's trying to do a little dance pass. It falls, almost falls into the path of, of Morrison. Now is Saville. Back to Saville. The move slightly broke down. There was a moment where Morrison was shaping to to shoot, but the ball was just not played into his path correctly. Chipped wide, it's now falls to Steve Morrison, it's uh, Gregor's inside of him, it's going to go for a, a goal kick, uh, a corner kick rather, coming towards 19 minutes. So there we are, Gary Taylor Fletcher, it's official. According to Twitter it's official anyway, he's the worst ever Millwall player. Um, obviously it depends on what era you start going really, I mean I would probably have named Pat Cuff, goalkeeper from the 1970s, which would be a name that passes many younger listeners totally by, but um, he was almost single-handedly responsible for allowing goal upon goal upon goal in our 1978-79 relegation. So um, anyone that lived through that is mentally scarred, and hence you, you, you hear what you hear before you today, a mentally scarred man. 20 minutes, ball's crossed in from the corner, it's bouncing around in the centre, moved um, rightwards for a middle throw-in. It's McLaughlin from the throw, he's um, crossing into the mix, shouts for a handball, referee's not giving. I must say Burton looked very fragile in defence. If we can't exploit this today, then um, we probably need a, a good, hard, solid talking to. International break next weekend, so a win today will boost us up the table. It's, it, we're not, we're, we're some way um, clear of the relegation zone, and um, a win today will push us more towards mid-table respectability. A loss um, will be disappointing, given Burton's position in the table. I think they're down third from, third from bottom and um, with, a, with a, a poor record of not scoring much and, and conceding plenty. So it really is a game we want to be winning. Um, Nigel Clough speaking after the, the, the Wednesday defeat on, on Tuesday, Wednesday defeat on Tuesday, said that we had targeted this uh, game today with rest, by resting Steve Morrison, Lee Gregory up front, and I think that's correct. I think that by starting Tom Elliott and Fred, Neil Harris was resting their big two guns for this more winnable game, more, more obviously winnable fixture, um, which is um, ruthless in some ways, I think, but I, I think it was realistic perhaps. Free kick on the edge of the uh, corner of the right penalty area, 21, coming towards 22, it's straight onto the roof from George Saville, angled um, too high, it landed on the roof of the net, but um, spectacular effort. Paul Wilkinson came in second as the most reviled Millwall player, which surprises me if I'm honest, I didn't think he was that bad, I'm not saying he was any kind of great, but... Um, 
I didn't think it was that bad to be up there in the in the top top two. Paul Wilkinson, the second worst player. This is Burton pressing forwards, ball across the middle box. That's going to be cleared straightforwardly enough by the defence. Um, so yeah, um, some surprising results. Bob Peters named and shamed. The uh, the lank Belgian who couldn't jump and couldn't win a ball. He was certainly okay at claiming his wages from the club. Dennis Wise but you can't pin a lot of all of these down to. Um, Ian Holloway, as much as it's tempting to um, carve him out to be the kind of antichrist, some of these were signed by other players, including Dennis Wise. I think he did he not sign Bob Peters, or was that after Wise? I can't remember. Old mind is going. Rob Hulse, uh, Kenny Jacket signing, a lone player who looks um, what's, what's worse than uninterested. Can't a little break here. I'm going to interrupt. This is the eight breaking forwards. Nice tackle there. I thought I was going to concede a free kick on 23. Halfway through the first half. We've just got to stay switched on. Um, we've, we've dominated proceedings so far, and clearly Burton looked like a, a side that's there for the taking. But what we mustn't do is um, let them soak up the pressure and then break forwards and nick the goal. Because that way um, hell lies. This is Steve Morrison now on the edge of the uh, penalty. A flick across the, the, the box there. It's gone for a Mill throwing on the far side. You get a sense that if we get one goal, that uh, Burton will crumble. I think all the time it remains at nil-nil, they'll regard themselves as having done what they set out to do and that is to um, take come away with um, a point at least and if they can get forwards then um, there's always a chance isn't there so um, the first goal will be critical for the Lions long ball forwards finds Lee Greg as a penalty area Greg shoots block shot Burton managed to course by Nigel Clough who carries the great name Clough um, his father Brian was um, a hero to me when I was young um, the greatest manager England never had. He was obviously everything that the FA would never have allowed anywhere near their, their uh, hallowed um, marble halls. Brian Clough, the winner of the European Cup twice over. Um, league champions with uh, Derby and, and, and Nottingham Forest, of course. Forest won the European Cup twice, which was an, an incredible achievement in its own right. Um, and Brian, no, never, no, no um, not on the same level as his dad, carries the name. He's a link with the past. And that's quite some, nice to see in the game still. Clough, speaking to the Burton Albion website, told them that um, he's expecting a difficult game today. Um, he says that we've targeted today as an opportunity to get three points, and I think he's right there. Um, and he says the, uh, he wins the, um, the bingo. Um, everyone says this, given the surroundings. When you go to Millwall, it is a difficult place to go to. Um, the great cliche, a difficult place to come to. And the moment they stop saying that will be the day that we, uh, you know, <laughs> we jack it in. Another break in play, yes, another injury for the Burton... Uh, player far down at the uh, the middle end at the moment. I didn't see what happened there. Two fairly lengthy breaks in play in the first half. It's been a disjointed half in some respects. I suppose that, that's that's added to it. Two two breaks in play. Um, so far the Lions are having a lot, of, a lot of possession without any real ability to pick the lock, as they would say. Millwall Christmas party is going for 15 quid if you fancy it, dear listeners. Uh, have a Christmas party at the Den. I don't know who's going to be far for Christmas. I wonder if that's going to be Mickey, fan on the board, Mickey. Pre-started play after another couple of minutes break. Ball about halfway inside the Burton half, bouncing around. No real um, pattern to play for Millwall. A lot of balls up in the air, but not really gaining much... Um, no, nothing incisive. I think that's probably the word I'm searching for. Incisiveness. Like an incisor teeth, tooth. Biting. Here's another ball forwards. That lacks incisiveness, does it? No. Uh, finds Steve Morrison, his little header inside, that's in towards Lee Gregory, a one-handed punch away by Stephen Bywalls, so the West Ham slag 
takes it away from Lee Gregory on 30 minutes. Real opportunity there for Millwall. I was about to say a slight sense of drift as the Lions press forward. Um, as, I, as I've said, we've, we've had a lot of the football, but um, so far, Burton will be quite happy with the way it's going, in my opinion. All flick header on there from Steve Morrison. Cleared at last from Conor McLaughlin by the, the Burton 12. 33 minutes. We'll give a little shout out to the Totally Football League Show podcast. I've uh, become a subscriber to it. I think it's a fantastic show. It gives great coverage to our league, the Championship, but also Leagues 1 and 2. A um, little bit of in-depth stuff. There was a fantastic episode um, the last week, show, I think it was, with a chap from AFC Wimbledon who described their um, you know, rising from the ashes story. It's, um, if you have any interest in football beyond Millwall, um, which may be, um, may be a contradiction in terms, I know. Um, but anyway, it's a great show if you are looking to build up your depth and knowledge about the league, the Championship division, um, some good interviews and some good coverage by, by the presenters, including, of course, Matt Stanger, who um, came to us for the Leeds game early, uh, when the show was launched earlier this season. So the Totally Football League show, check it out on any of the um, major platforms, iTunes um, and the like. I can't think of any others. And the like. So I'll mask my ignorance by saying that. And the like. And so forth. Burton pressing forwards down the left. There's a little moment. The ball's across the middle box. They had no one in the danger zone. That could have been dangerous there on 35 and a half. Um, we've got to be careful. Crunching tackle in midfield on Tunnicliffe. Referee's blown the whistle. It must be a yellow card, is it? He's taking advice in his earpiece. Maybe as like a legal advisor up in the stands that gives him advice and reads him the rule book. He's given a Burton free kick. The crunching tackle was on our man. And you can hear the crowd's reaction to that bizarre decision. Where do we get these people from, dear listeners? I suppose it's a bit like politics, though. I mean, I've, I've catching myself a lot in recent times. Maybe you are too, from whichever direction you come at it. But for fuck's sake, you look around the world of politics and then you look at the world of refereeing. You think, where the fuck do these people come from? Who are these people? And um, we tolerate it because we don't do it ourselves. Um, and unless you're prepared to actually stand up and start doing it, politics, football refereeing, um, anything else, unless you're prepared to be the, the, the person that um, puts their head above the parapet, then you're stuck with these jokes. He's, he's given a free kick to us now. Um, so let that be a lesson to you, dear listeners. Not sure what the lesson is, but anyway, let it be a lesson to you. Rain earlier on, wind uh, gently flapping the flags opposite on the, on the docker stand. Past the bloke in shorts earlier on. There's, I know there's the, um, the thing that you wear shorts to Millwall, no matter what the weather, but blimey. It's getting a bit cold for it, chaps. Little ball over the top. There's Gregory's offside. He didn't look offside to me. He was being pulled back, that was for sure. But uh, we're not going to get those kinds of decisions on 37 minutes. Yeah, so wearing shorts to Millwall, but past the chap in, in Zamba Road, it was rain was still in the air, and he's got his shorts on. He's dressed for um, uh, a sunny day in Marbella. Incidentally, and on a totally different um, tangent to anything to do with football, but wearing wearing. Um, Dressing gowns out. I seem to see a lot of a certain type of person, and that's a loaded comment in itself. A certain type of person, as my old mum would have said, the rough, the rough, the very working class attitude that is, which graded the working classes. Um, but the, the rough, wearing um, dressing gowns out in the street. Have you seen this? Have you noticed it too? Is it some kind of social trend that's going on that I'm uh, oblivious to? But I seem to see it a lot. The idea of going around the shop wearing a dressing gown for my old mum would have been totally alien. Um, seems to be a thing now, that's all I'll say. We shan't dwell on it, dear listeners, shall we? We shan't dwell. 
Morrison manhead on the halfway line on 39, coming towards the 40th minute. Quickly taken free kick for Mill, releasing um, Wallace, going down the right-hand side. He's going to run into Flack, unfortunately. Two defenders in front of him, they clear it. Um, but it's going, to be, it's going to be a moment of magic, some little uh, moment of the unexpected that turns the game. At the moment, it's a disappointing match, going to be honest. 40 minutes of um, not very much overall. Uh, Lions showing more huff and puff, but Burton will be feeling they've probably um, not done too badly to get to this point. It's 0-0 coming towards the 40-and-a-half-minute point. Lee Luscombe, who's well-placed in the uh, list of shit Millwall players. There's, there's too many on here to read them all out. Um, Nicky Coleman, I thought, was a little bit unfair. Dave Sinclair, remember Dave Sinclair? He of the tattooed teeth. Bass Savage, there's a name for you, Bass Savage, during um, the Kenny Jacket era. Steve Anthropus, who was recently um, mentioned for having sex in public on a, on a picnic blanket. And there was some debate online as to whether the picnic blanket was the thing that made it worse than just any other kind of blanket, rather than the actual public um, lewdness and exhibitionism of the whole shebang. But there we are, it's a the sad um, state of affairs for Steve Anthropus, always known as the, the trolley bus back at the old Colgo Lane halfway line, who were ruthless on him. They actually slaughtered him. Um, one of those players that never showed... Um, any kind of any kind of promise, really. I don't know. He actually made a career in the game, but he, he did go on to some lower league success, I believe. 42 minutes. It's Savile midfield. Breaks through. He's on the edge of the day. He's got a ball out wide. Got to take the shot there. Morrison now. Ball floated back across. It falls to oh, from close range. Ball in from Jed Wallace. O'Brien puts it over from close. Best chance of the half of Millwall. 42. Coming towards the 43rd minute. Let's watch it again on the big screen. Nice little cross from Steve Morrison. Maybe, arguably, Savile could have uh, shot earlier, but there's a blast on the volley from Jed Wallace. Deflected over the bar from close by Aidan O'Brien. Best chance of the half for Millwall. Chip forwards. This is O'Brien on the right-hand side. It falls back towards Jed Wallace, who can't quite connect. On the, on, it was a ball angled back from the left-hand side. He couldn't quite connect. He's put it wide for... Uh, it's gone deflected off for a corner. I thought he put it wide for a goal kick. It's actually gone for a corner on the right-hand side. Be a little bit of injury time at the end of half. It's quickly taken. This is Savile now with a dipping cross into the mix. That's going to be headed clear by the Burton Albion defence. 43rd minute of the game. In some ways, Mill are going to be looking forward to the half-time break to try and um, reset reset the, um, the, the controls, for the, hopefully for the heart of the sun in the second half. Um, it's been a disappointing half of football, in all honesty, from the Lions' perspective. One good chance there earlier on where O'Brien blasted over from close. Um, there's always this edge of um, Burton not having threatened much going forwards. Player down now, they're going to draw a free kick. It's going to be a free kick um, yellow card, is it going to be, for Meredith? They've been rolling around on the floor quite a bit, Burton, that's for sure. Yellow card for James Meredith. Felt to have caught the Burton players. He's tried to go past him. As I say, they've not threatened much. They, don't see, they certainly have no presence in front of goal. They've had a couple of crosses into the penalty area, but no, um, no cigar. No one so far has shown any, any menace in front of goal, but um, clearly we, we don't want to tempt Lady Fate, do we? Adrian Seriu received five votes, six votes actually, for the worst player of all time in the Mill shirt. Adrian Seriu, he of the mega long throw, but precious little else, the Canadian player from a few years ago. Uwe Fuchs, remember Uwe Fuchs? The German duvet, always on the floor. Honestly, the page is, is covered... It's literally of, of, um, of names, the Russians, Kulkov and Uran. Forget those two pissheads who arrive with such promise and finish with such disappointment. 
there is half time. Um, there we are, disappointing half of football. Nil-nil at the break. Um, now we're going to cut away um, from this uh, this disappointing game. I did a couple of interviews earlier on, two pleasurable interviews. First one is with um, Mill boxer Charlie Wynn, who I had the pleasure of speaking to with Michael Avery and Mickey Simpson on the uh, top deck of the Blue Bus before today's game. Charlie was um, speaking to us promoting his forthcoming fight, which will be at the York Hall on the 25th of November 2017. Um, contact Charlie on, on Twitter. I think it's Charlie with an IE, win with a WYNN1, Charlie Win1 on Twitter for uh, ticket prices and uh, give him some support. He's had some fantastic support from Mill fans. But I'm going to take you now to that interview with Charlie earlier on. Arrivederci, Milval. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Big welcome on the show now to the top deck of the Blue Bus to Mill Boxer, local boy Charlie Wynn. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you, hello. <laughs> He's looking for, for a man that faces off inside the ring. He looks like the most fearful I've seen him in a time, I think. <laughs> Alongside me, I've got Michael Avery from the MSC. After, afternoon all. And just join us, looking like he's dressed for a wedding. Mills fan on the balls, Mickey Simpson. Uh, I saw you on the oh, telly yeah. last night, Mick. I, I watched that Grant Mitchell show, the, uh, the, the, um, the, uh, the one where he goes in prison. Was it Ross Kent? Goes inside Barlini. You see it? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Charlie Chopper win. Yeah. Chopper as in Neil Bomber Harris. Um, well, you could you could say that, but no, it's not. It was um, it's my first amateur coach, um, Eddie Brindle. Well, Eddie and George, they were coaches together. Okay. Um, and Eddie, yeah, he used to just call me Oops, Chopper. Chopper. So what a nickname, mate. Um, yeah. I've watched a few of your fights on on the YouTube. Yeah. Um, you always enter the ring with a mule line on your on your yeah, shorts. Fear no foe. Fear no foe. That's it. So my first question, I was always intrigued. I've never boxed, I've never yeah. done anything like it. So I'm 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 an outsider to it in that sense. Yeah. 
Fear no foe. Do you feel fear when you get in the ring, or do you use fear? How does it work um, from the boxing point of, point of view? You're obviously there to do a job, but... Yeah. Are you... No, I, ne I never feel fear. No. Um, I'm always confident um, going into the ring. Um, the only thing you could say I get nervous about is performing to my ability. So a fear of failure. A failure, yeah, of failure, and, or not turning up. You know, so yeah. everyone can have an off day in football, you can have an off day and still win a game. Yeah. You can... You'd be picked up by your your teammates and, yeah, yeah. and just hide in the background and have an off day. But in the ring, it's just you and him. And if you have an off day or a slight lapse of concentration or something like that, um, it's just a fear of that, really. So just making sure you're fully focused all the time and keeping switched on. Now, you're being sponsored, which is great, by the MSC. Yeah, um, blinding. Step forwards for you in career terms. I know you, yeah. you said you boxed at uh, an amateur level. Yeah. Um, this is professional. This is a different league. I'm going to guess yeah. that the is a big step up from one to the other. That's can, right. Can you tell the listeners what that might involve? What, what kinds of differences would there be between the amateur game and the um, pro game? Right. Well, basically, you train you train more times a week, right. um, albeit at, at the Fisher at my last amateur club. I used to train five days a week, Monday to Friday. So I'll stick in an extra day now, obviously, because I train on the Saturday mornings as well. Um, but in terms, it's, with the difference between pro and amateur, you sort of turn up as an amateur and you'd have your trainers there and um, they, they may set something out off the cuff. Yeah. Or, and generally you'll work together, so it might not be specifically for you. Um, There's a different level of dedication. Yeah, this is a job. Do you see what I mean? Where, when when you turn up to train as a pro, um, you're trained by your certain trainers, and they know how to train each individual. Yeah. And how to get the best out of each individual because everyone's different. No one fights the same. Everyone's got style. Um, so it, it's just it, it just takes it up a level. So you're not just training or doing something for the sake of it because it's boxing related. You're doing something for a specific reason to help you improve. In How would you describe your boxing style? What kind of what kind of boxer are you, Charlie? How would you um, call it? I'm I'm aggressive. I'm come come I've got forward. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watching, um, watching the fights, I'm yeah. an aggressive bloke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I try not to be. That's that's half half a trait as well because right. I need to. Um, I need something to, seeking uh, to control. Yeah, I need to calm some... down a little. Yeah, just okay. just. Calm down a little, think a little. Um, just try and be aggressive, be a come forward fighter, like everyone likes to see. Like, um, but try and just be a little bit methodical on your way in, you know. And um, yeah, just work, work your little angles and work on defense as well as offense. Yeah. So um, an important, just, an important reality in the, yeah, in the ring. The thing is, I've, I've got um, a very good chin, and I sort of take take that for granted. Right. So, the gourmet, give us your best. <laughs> Mick's shaping up. I'm not going to get involved in this. <laughs> I'm opening, uh, you know, man with glasses, in fact, yeah, and all yeah. that. Basically, um, <laughs> with, with having a good chin, I get clocked on the chin and I'm still okay, so I don't see stars, I don't, right. I don't go Bambi. You've answered a question for me there because yeah. um, the idea of getting smacked hard on the face yeah. for most of us is uh, an alien experience. <clears throat> But you, you, you can you can take a punch and you can remain on your feet and thinking and, and still make a comeback. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, generally, it's not the aim, but really, yeah, it's not yeah. the aim. But yeah, <laughs> I've I've been known to take one to to land me. To up. land one yourself. Yeah, uh, and 
which is good. I know I've got a chins, but if I can make him miss and make him pay, I'll be a lot more effective Fantastic. at what I do. Now you've got a fight coming up. You're, you're, you're 2-0, as they say, in American sports parlance. 2-0 as, <laughs> as a pro. Um, your next fight is at the York Hall, 25th of November, Charlie. Yeah, 25th of November. Um, tickets can be obtained to go and see you from yourself. Yeah, that's it, from myself. Um, just pick me up on social media. Okay. Um, so, so at Charlie Win at One. Charlie Win One. On that's Win with a Y, listeners. Charlie yeah, win, like, yeah, the Win Hotel. That's a, the Win Hotel. Let's <laughs> remember it. Where we're going to do yeah, our that, next interview, mate? Nice, that will be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be, we'll be pressing um, Charlie's Twitter feed on the Achtung Millwall feed, on the um, MSC feed, and on the Fan on the Ball feed so, on Twitter, so you'll be able to get your tickets pretty straightforwardly. We're hoping hoping to get other, other methods. Um, there's also a fantastic badge, and the supporters club have produced a, a, a support badge, support yeah, Charlie badge. badge. Um, yeah. So people can lend their support to you and your career by picking up um, a Millwall badge, basically. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a blinding idea, I think. Is that your idea, Mickey? Um, All the best yeah. ideas come from Mickey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just leave other people to figure it out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he put it together well, and it's a nice-looking badge. I'll definitely be buying a few. My mum will be stocking up, I'm sure. Um, and a few a few friends and family have already been in contact about their badges. So. Now, you're late, you're late to the professional career, if you don't yeah. mind me saying to you, Charlie. Yeah, nice. 27 is a late... Um, yeah, a late. I'm guessing this is a... You're, you're, Chasing a dream to a degree, I'm guessing, because you're an electrician by trade. Yeah, electrician by trade. Um, yeah. The thing is, uh, I didn't walk into the gym for the first time until I was 20 years of age. 19 years old, 20 when I had my first bout. So, what made you take up boxing? Can I ask that? Yeah. Um, basically, I said it the other the other day on Lions Live. Um, it was watching uh, my little sister. She had a boyfriend. Um, a rep boyfriend, so <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um, he, he Don't need too much detail, yeah. Here, right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was training um, right. at a club called Marbles Lane. Yeah, in Grove Park. In Grove Park, that's yep, it. Right. So, um, basically, um, I went and watched his first bout. So he invited me along. I thought I'd go and give him a bit of support. And. Um, yeah, I, I, got, I, saw, I got taken in by it there. I used to think I was quite handy and could look after myself. And I thought, you know what, if I come up against any of these boys in the ring, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, and I, I don't. And that was a big eye opener for me. And I thought, I want to know. That's what an I'm interesting doing. point. It's an interesting yeah. point because that always strikes me as a key difference yeah. between a, a, a boxer and a, everyone, and, and, and yeah. a, a, a brawler. Everyone like. thinks, yeah, then they may do in their certain circumstances, but. If they come up against um, a proper Handy fighter, yeah, it's, um, a it's a different game. Yeah. Now you're fighting out of the Peacock Gym, which I know is over at Canning Town. Used to. Used to. Used to fight. New, new, out of new premises now. Yeah. Um, basically, I was under the guidance um, of Ray Ball, Mike Bowers, um, and the rest of the team over there. Yeah. Um, I had my last fight back in February. Um, right. I had another good win. And then they asked me to have a week out the gym, as, as they always do, have a, have a rest, come back, recoup. When I come back, um, they changed their training times. Um, we used to train at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then they changed it to um, 9.30. Right. Bear it being the peacock over Canning Town. Yeah. I work a lot, of, a lot southwest, sort of over um, Kensington, that right. sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so impractical to get to. Yeah, it, it, it was just 
a pain to get to. I was missing work because obviously I'm still working full time. Wow. I live on my own wow. uh, with my missus, me and my yeah. missus. Yeah. Well, we're married, so me yeah. and my wife, I should say. Um, and yeah, that'd be a fight you couldn't win, with. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I better, better get that in. <laughs> but yeah, that was it really. And I wouldn't have been getting to work till one, half one every day. So I'd go work for three hours a day and I can't do that. The level really. of dedication, Charlie, I mean, I just did a little bit of research. People yeah. can hear my bit of paper rustling. Yeah. The level of dedication to make it in this game is incredible. Yeah. Um, clearly, going full-time is, is the next yeah. platform to let you yeah, that was, take that it as far as you can do. Exactly. Going full-time is obviously getting a sponsor big enough to pay you a yearly salary. Yeah. Um, yeah, covers your job basically, yeah. so you can full time train, and that that's perfect. Like playing football, you know. When I was younger, imagine getting paid all that money to to get on the pitch in front of your fans. You have yeah. the dream of playing in front of your middle fans. Absolutely. Do you see what I mean? Um, it's it's the ideal job. How can you ever moan? Just do you see what I mean? I do. I do, mate. Right. Uh, yeah, so just a couple for the uh, MSC page. Um, who's your favourite Millwall player? Then? Um, it's it's probably it's gonna be Bomber, Bomber, current manager at the minute. Yeah, um, just growing up, um, he was on the end of everything. I like the little uh, partnership with him and Moody. Um, I didn't actually realise until I was listening to Lions Life last week that Moody was only with us for two years. Yeah. Yeah. That was surprising, actually, because you don't really pick yeah, up on things like that when you're young. Yeah, blinding, blinding partnership, but yeah, um, it's got to be Bomber, I would say. So when are you most nervous, being one point up in the final round or in the last ten minutes of a game when we're one? Oh, last ten minutes of a game all day long. Um, yeah, no, the rounds, the rounds are easy to get through. When, when you're up and your confidence is flowing, but with me, well, I'm not in control of that, do you know what I mean? And, Terry Ollock aside, which Millwall player, past or present, would you get in the ring with? <laughs> um, do you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll probably, I'd like to get get Wisey in there, you know? Just because <laughs> just he's little and he, he thinks he can have a go and then I'll just show him who's boss. <laughs> and our last one, TKO for the world title or 90th minute Champions League final winner against Real Madrid? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Next fight for Charlie we're in 25th of November at the York Hall. Um, tickets available via Charlie. We'll be pressing that on social media. We'll have a link to it on the show. I want to wish you the best, Charlie. Lovely. Thank you very Fantastic much. Fantastic story, mate. Um, fingers crossed. Your opponent on the 25th. Do you know? Do you know? Do you have, do you, does that set early, or do you, does that? Yeah, I, I did have. Early? I did have an opponent called Cummins. Yeah. Um, he's now pulled out. Get the excuse, but yeah, um, there'll be, be a he fight. Be there. there will be a fight, yeah, and you, yeah. To, to be confirmed. The opponent, but and from what I read, you've had some fantastic Millwall support, yeah. Uh, you two bouts so far, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, long may it continue, more of the same. Charlie Wynn fighting on the 25th of November at your call. Thanks for coming on the show, mates. Thank pleasure to meet you. Much pleasure to meet you. Achtung. It's a show with very special guests. We've gone from Charlie Wynn, the boxer, to um, the, the pugilist of the, of the academic world, Mr Neil Bradley. Welcome to the show, Neil. Cheers, Nick. Um, I am a huge fan, as you know, of your likes of us show. I'm going to recommend everyone that listens to Achtung Millwall gives it some attention. There's some fantastic stuff on there. But you're here today, apart from these, the social aspect of having a, having a say hello before the game, 
You've got a course coming up for Millwall fans at the yeah, Goldsmiths. that's right. I, I, I'm running a course, uh, Working Class Writing. Uh, it's a five-week course at Goldsmiths College, and it's exclusively for Millwall fans, right. which is very unusual, I think. Yes, it is. Um, and it's going to run from this Thursday, which is the 9th of November, to Thursday the 7th of December. It's a pilot one. Okay. It's absolutely free, and you just come along, bring a pad and a pen, Meet me in the reception of the Richard Hoggart building. Richard Hoggart. That's, this is at New Cross, isn't it? This is the Goldsmiths College. It's Goldsmiths College at New Cross. It's on the London, big roundabout. SE 14 yeah. 6NL. If you want to drop me an email, my email address is n.bradley at gold, G-O-L-D, dot A-C, dot U-K. And what we're going to do, we're just going to have a look at... I want to talk about Millwall. I want to talk about why you first came to Millwall the family connections, the local area, the local history, the local culture. What is it that makes Millwall, even now, different from every other football club in the country? And then start trying to work some stories around that. If you want to consider your own family history, your connection with Millwall, your connection to the local area, I can start working you up so that you, you might want to consider writing something bigger further down the line. Now, you and me both know a lot of working-class kids, and I think we can use that description. Absolutely. Um, often dream of things, but don't think they are... Is their, 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 their role in life to do things? So writing being a, a, probably a classic example, it's not conventionally the working-class idea of what you do. But I think this is a fantastic... Fantastic. You're trying to break that kind of... Um, what should we call it? A glass ceiling, almost, isn't it? It's yeah, no, absolutely. Self-imposed. I mean, I could have quite easily taught the class at Millwall in a community scheme, but I wanted to do it in Goldsmiths so that you actually come into it through the doors of a university, you come into a, a proper classroom, and you're in that environment because there's something about that environment that makes you want to stay and inspires you more, I think. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, you, you're with Open Book Project, which has a similar yeah. similar ethos to what yeah. you're trying to do. This is so purely the, a Millwall thing, isn't it? And, yeah, so we're doing this in association with Open Book. It's, it's part of our, you know, when, when I've spoken to people in the college about community engagement, the people that they're engaging with... <laughs> There's a moment falls now. <laughs> are, are, ..are not the people I envisaged in terms of community okay. engagement. Yeah. Um, you know, the local area now is changing because of gentrification. Yes. Um, and so, you know, the house prices, you know, a house on Lewisham Way is now £2 million. So Fucking incredible. Th there's always been this argument that the college doesn't reflect the local community, but give it a few more years it and, it, and it will reflect the <laughs> local community perfectly. All too, all too yeah, perfect. yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, and what, based on the success of this one, I'm sure it will be a success. I'm going to run some more next year yeah. and some longer ones as well. So people might want to consider writing their own family histories, writing a novel writing a memoir. Why not? And, and I've got sort of certain methods that I use which have been successful in sort of other um, areas that I've done it in. And um, it's great. I mean, as we speak, you know, I'm working in uh, HMP, Young Offenders Institute, ISIS, which is attached to Belmarsh. Not something I, I ever really wanted no, to do. No. But it's working really well. And this breaks the idea that you that you can write, that you have a story to tell. Yeah, yeah. as valid as, as, the, yeah. as the published yeah. authors that we see all the time. So you don't have to be a polished writer. You don't have to have any experience. You might not have picked up a pen since the dark old days of school. Um, that doesn't really matter, because I was the same, left school with no qualification, went into a mundane job. And I came to education very late in life. And, but it changed my life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at your, your, your prompt card here. No experience is necessary. Yeah, no. Oh, we, we can't hammer that point enough. You don't no. need to be approved. And writer. it's free. 
And it's fucking What's free. free these days? Well, this is. That's, this is. It's a fantastic little scheme. It's great. Um, I also want to look at fanzines and blog writing because, that's, as we know, that's yeah. a dying art. You know, you're the yeah. perfect example of absolutely. that. Absolutely, you know? yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And, you know, we spoke about this on, on your like, excellent podcast, Act on Mill, about the fact that because it's all instantaneous now, yeah. people are no longer writing longer pieces. No, the, the written word Which exists. worries me a little bit, Books you know, amongst the young, forever. you know. But yeah. I've spoken to lots of people over the last few years, both in me working at Millwall, and they all want to tell me their story. Yeah. And my view of it is, well, tell why don't yourself. you tell your own story? That's right. And, you know, one of the arguments I, I constantly make, certainly in Goldsmiths, uh, and when, when I give a lot, I give a lot of talks all around the country, is that it's no good complaining that there are no works out there that reflect the lives that we lead no. if we don't write them ourselves and offer out our own examples of working class life, art, Absolutely. politics, culture. Um, I think it's imperative because I keep saying it, you know, um, you, you mentioned earlier on when we were talking about one of my episodes with Joe Baden and Charlie Mahoney, um, when we were talking about, you know, our lives, collective lives, the fact that, you know, we are like the last of the Mohicans. It does feel like that, Neil. Our accents, um, yeah. you know, working class, like, are sort of just disappearing. Yeah. And, um, Nobody's going to talk like me anymore in a, in a decade's time, which is, you know, sad, you know. It is sad. And it's I a think, dying you know, thing, isn't it? London and I think, is... like, Mill is the perfect combination for me, Mill and Goldsmiths, because what's the one thing that draws us all back to this area? Yeah. Every, every fortnight, it's yeah. Mill or Football Club. And it is a community. I, I, don't, I don't like that word, but I, I can't... No, it is. One. And I think, well, I think if you looked at back at, you know, like, your campaign yeah. in terms of Lewisham and Renewal... Yeah. It, we proved we were a community. Yeah. Okay. An, an orthodox one, but a community all An unorthodox the same, one, you know I mean? a dysfunctional one at times. Yeah, but yeah. A community, a family, whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, what it proved that was that this stuff is important to people. There's one thing that I picked up during the course of the campaign, and, and I, I suppose you know it, but you don't absorb it, is how important it is to people. Because I, I don't... Take it away, and what, you know, people no, are lost. And, and I, don't, I don't actually think it was really about Millwall. No. I think it was about their own family histories. The connection. Their own families and their connection to, to this plot of land yeah. that we all seem to be drawn to, you know. And that's really important. But don't let it die. So maybe you're connected to Millwall, listening out there in the internet land. The course is on Thursday the 9th of November. And it runs till Thursday the 7th of December. Weekly course now? Weekly course, yeah. On a Thursday. 6 o'clock p.m. till 8 p.m. And you meet Neil at the Richard Hoggart building, Goldsmiths College, New Cross, SE14, right on the big one-way system there. It's the main building. You can't miss it. Ask anybody where the Richard Hoggart building is, and, you'll find, and I'll be waiting for you in reception. You don't need to book. No. I'll take as many people that want, want to, can be bothered to turn up, bring a pad and a pen. That's all you need. And no experience. And we'll, we'll have a good time. And I'm convinced we're all going to write something interesting. Fantastic. Big thank you to Neil Bradley for that. Cheers for that, Nick. Nice one, mate. Yeah, good. Achtung, Mailball. So ticket prices there for Charlie Wynn. That's, that's at Charlie Wynn, C-H-A-R-L-I-E, Wynn, W-Y-N-N-1, Charlie Wynn 1. Check him out on Twitter. But tickets, if you want to go see him at the York Hall on the 25th of November, um, tickets are VIP, £100 per ticket, 65s for ringside and £40 standard tickets for the York Hall. What a great evening that's going to be. Many are going to be going to Fulham in the afternoon, then on to support Charlie in the evening at the York Hall. He's a great boy, a really nice chap. Um, really enjoyed the interview there. 
speaking to him, and it's great that the Mill Supporters Club are giving him such um, great sponsorship and support. That's that's the way we want it to be. Um, so yeah, um, check him out, Charlie Wynn on Twitter. All the best to you, Charlie. Achtung, Mailball. Now I belong to the old punk rock school. That um, you too, you too can do this stuff. A lot of listeners we're thinking I'm not a writer. I, I, you know, it's um, it's a big thing to pick up. Um, paper and pen or keyboard or whatever way you do it now and put yourself on offer slightly there's, there's a slight nakedness to um, writing something and putting it out in the public domain but you can do it and that course that Neil's promoting there is the ideal starting point it's going to be Millwall fans it's going to be um, the likes of us listening to this this show um, you're amongst your own Neil is a great tutor he's a great lecturer he's got a lot to, to say and he will draw out the best from you so if you even had a slightest inkling that you might have a, a talent for writing or even just want to do it for whether you believe you've got talent or not Neil will draw it out of you so um, get on that course at the, the Goldsmiths Thursday the 9th of November and you can find Neil on Twitter under Open Book Project that's Neil Bradley under Open Book Project if you can't find him there contact me uh, CBL Magazine and I'll put you in touch with him. Um, give it a go. What's your, what you got to lose? You've got nothing to lose because it's a Freeman's. A few half-time tweets. Liam O'Connor says, this game has nil-nil written all over it. I'll make you right, Liam. Dan says, we played well and deserved the goal. We still want to see Elliot on ASAP, says Dan. Gregory and Elliot will be a good partnership, says Dan. Grumpy Grimace says, that was a hard watch. It was Grumps. Lack of spark, lack of pace and desire. No one getting out of over five out of ten on this show. Can't disagree with it. Mill Supporters Club says nil nil at half time, a few groans. But you can you can't you can't but can't see why I thought we played well and the goals will come. I don't know about well, MSC. Um, nil nil, you can't be saying we played well. Um, we've not really carved out enough chances for me. We had one late, late in the half, but apart from that, Zilch. And finally John Kelly says half time, nil nil, Milburton uninspiring, which I think probably says it all. And away we go in the second half, and it's straight back to Mill defence. Huge lump forwards. Sorry, I came over all facetious there, dear listeners, didn't I? Game started. Uh, Mill straight on to the attack. This is um, Wallace, pretty much from the uh, hoof forwards, and there's Tunnicliffe inside of him. That's sort of one-two. This is Wallace going down the right-hand side, or cross into the middle, headed clear, close range. Mill corner inside the first 30 seconds of the second half. Mill straight on the attack and win a corner early. And it comes to the right, it's Jed Wallace, near post ball, that's headed clear by Burton. They'd be well pleased with 0-0, and this will still um, rate themselves as um, having a chance of nicking a, a chance at some stage in the second 45, so they'd be well happy with it all. They're looking a little bit more urgent, start of proceedings. Ball headed clear there by, by Walter, just outside his own penalty area. 48, 49 minutes. And moved down the left-hand side, the 11, inside the mill penalty area, he's trying to fire it across the mill goal. Cleared by Tony Craig, well cleared for a corner. Little error there by, by McLaughlin. In it comes, it's deep, it's over everyone's head. It's going to run clear all the way for a goal kick. Some warm applause for Tom Elliott and Fred Onyedimma warming up downstairs. It's like Marlon Romeo also stretching his legs. We need something. Um, I think, I don't think that the, the current um, Morrison Gregory duo will get much longer. It's not been that effective today. Morrison's not looked that effective. And if we're going to have a target, man, we might as well have the big man, the big unit, the Tom Elliott. Get him up front. Get him in amongst it. It's that kind of day. Lions trying to press forward on 52 and a half minutes. Um, every ball forward is, is, is hitting um, 
the yellow shirt defence. They're banked up in front of us. We're struggling to break it down, but we are opening the half at least, pressing forwards, looking for the opening, looking for the moment. Some wayward passes by Burton, some poor control. They don't look a great side. I know I'm tempting Lady, Lady Fate, as I've said already, but they don't look up to much. We really do have to press on and get three points out of this game because they, they look a poor side, in all honesty. 55 minutes. I was watching the Wolves game last night, briefly anyway, and disparity in, in um, money that um, and, and the way they've used their money. I mean, they've, they've spent big, but they've got quality up at Wolves at the moment. I think they're going to be uh, the, the tear-away winners of the division by some distance. But if you compare that with what uh, the likes of um, Burton and certainly us two can bring to the table, it's, uh, it's a strange division, the same league, uh, a strange league in many respects. But certainly Wolves look like a very strong side. Burton look like they're in a... A, a League One kind of frame of mind at the moment. Wallace has run a long way. He's going to show the red card. Run a long way to uh, cause what looked like an innocuous tackle. He's been shown a straight red for that. What the fuck was that all about? It looked like an innocuous tackle. He'd made a, made a, a, a long run to make a poor challenge. Yellow card at the most. Straight red. This referee is a clown, dear listeners. Absolute fucking clown. I cannot see why that drew a red. Pulling refereeing decision. They won't show it on the big screen. It was it was a loose ball on the left-hand side. Um, Wallace made an ill-judged run and an ill-judged tackle. He put too much effort into a tackle that was always going to, um, you know, not to be our benefit. But it was no red card tackle, in my opinion. Well, it's a game-changing decision. Lines down to ten men. We've got to retain our, our our shape and our thinking here. I think it might be time to bring on Tom Elliott, take Morrison out up front and go long. <laughs> like we haven't been going long already. You can hear what they think. Burton will take new heart from that. Got a man advantage suddenly. Long ball forwards. That's going to run through to uh, Conor McLaughlin who would clear. Bit of pressure from the Lions. Crowd on their feet now. If nothing else has got the crowd interest in the game, you can hear the difference. It was a bit flat earlier on. Game's in a bit of a right. It's actually a corner. That's your corner on the right-hand side. Your chance to lob it in and get them in forwards. In comes the corner, it's deep. Back post. Bongs bouncing around. Headed wide in the event. I think it was um, O'Brien put it wide. 61 minutes. The Den's alive suddenly. Mill substitutions. I think as, as per our prediction, Tom Elliott's coming into the game. Aidan O'Brien's coming out. Ben Thompson coming into the game. Thompson will bring a bit of action up front and Thompson will bring a little bit of life into the midfield. 66 minutes halfway through the second half. Um, game transformed, obviously, by that, that red card. Um, very hard to see what the thinking was for, for the referee, but who are we to, to, to say? Certainly a game-changer. The game has come to life in a way it probably was drifting slightly, however, so... Um, Maybe we'll see a result one way or the other. We're pressing the ball well. Elliot putting some effort in there. Ben Thompson in there. Crowd responding accordingly. Give a Millwall crowd a committed Millwall team and you'll get all the noise you want. Little incident down there. The uh, Burton player having a word with Neil Harris who's now being spoken to by the referee. An exchange of views? I don't know. 68 minutes. You know which side the crowd's coming down on. I think they're milking it, they're milking every moment. Although they've got the man advantage, they're still trying to um, 
players over there, they've come here for the point, which will, for them, from their point of view, will be a good result today. Burton pressing down our right-hand side on 69 minutes, coming towards the 70th. We get a cross in, just on the right-hand side of the penalty, there's a shot into the middle, it falls from close range, it's 1-0 Burton, it falls to the 17, 1-0 to Burton. The very moment that we were talking about all through the game. Ah. Sordell, of all the people. No wonder he cupped his ear to some of the abuse he was getting when he scored the goal. I didn't realise he was out there. 1-0 to the referee seeing the crowd. Well, there we are. It's been a game of interminable delays, stop-start. They've done everything they can to, to scruff it up. And in fairness, that was the moment they were looking for. They've been awarded the huge advantage of the one-man advan uh, advantage by the referee with that sending off. And that was the very moment. The ball just fell in the path of Sordell, of all the people in all the world. And um, he slammed it home. Um, very, very frustrating afternoon's football so far, in all honesty. 71 minutes. Lions got 19 minutes to try and scratch something out of a game that um, we really should have controlled to a greater extent than we have. It's going to be a free kick for Millwall. 73rd minute of the game. Savile's over it. It's going to be a, a cross into the box. Elliot's gone forward. Craig is in there. And it comes from Savile. It's got a bit of pace to it. All bouncing around. Almost a repeat of Tom Elliott's goal from uh, Hillsborough. Kind of a late flick on the, on the far post there, but it was into the side netting. Long ball falls from Ben Thompson towards Tom Elliott. Can he control it? He, he's got it. He's under pressure. Gregory tries to take his through and goal. Can he take and turn? He can't. It's just dispossessed at the last by the Ben defence on 75. There's a moment where he seemed to be uh, eternally just about to control the ball and take and turn just couldn't get it under control and then it was cleared in, at the death of it all some fucking booze I mean Craig has pumped the ball forwards there I mean it wasn't the best ball in the world but why is a Millwall crowd booing at the Millwall captain I, I don't get it I, 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 I defy people to explain to me why Tony Craig who has not made any errors today it certainly wasn't his fault that we're one, one goal behind should draw the odd boo around the ground people here are beyond me at times dear listeners Maybe they'll be on due too, or maybe you support it. Mate, I know that the football fan pays his money and has the right to boo who he likes, I know that. But um, have a little bit of logic and structure to it if you really must. Jules Savile uses his guile to draw a free kick over on the left-hand side. He had two defenders in front of him and he's running into a slight cul-de-sac, but managed to draw a free kick. So it's going to be a, fr a free kick on the left-hand side, about 10 yards short of the corner of the penalty area. Come towards 81 and a half minutes. So we swung in now from Savile, um, straight into the first line of defenders. Quality of our crossing day has not been brilliant, it's got to be said. Millwall Stones are starting to look a little bit ragged. A couple of misplaced passes there, but Burton, starting with a man advantage, starting to look like the superior side as we come down towards the final five minutes. Ball into the box now from the left-hand side, aiming at um, Gregory there, but that runs, runs clear. This is up again Thompson by sheer sheer um, force of energy wins the ball back on the right Savile trying to get involved in the 1-2 but it runs uh, runs away from him 86 minutes Mill throwing Fred's coming in this is Meredith's coming out we're, we're pressing forwards if we're going to make a go of it we might as well go out fighting Fred Onyedima comes in well last week's controversy at um, controversy well, controver controversy at Cardiff was refereeing this week's controversy at the Den is refereeing becoming a regular uh, feature of this show, isn't it? The, uh, the poor quality of the referees that we're facing in the championship. 
I'd make it about maybe one minute, two minutes to go. Last chance to Loon. Launch forwards towards Tom Willey. He gets the ball taken in the, in the penalty area. No penalty awarded. Gregory went flying. Huge ball forwards towards Tom Elliott. This is from, is it Fred? Gregory. Oh, hits the post. Dear, oh dear. That's the end of the game. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Long, long ball forward. Fell to um, Gregory on the left, right-hand side of the penalty area. Looked like he hit the post from my angle. I could be wrong. Very, very frustrating match. Millwall nil. Burn Albion won. Um, right, that one off to experience, dear listeners. Uh, we'll be back after these messages to chew the cud with Mr. Michael Avery. Huge welcome on the show, back on the show, to Michael Avery. Welcome back, Michael. Morning. How are we? <laughs> How are we? <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, we're, we're, we're roundly disappointed. How are you, mate? <laughs> oh, done. It was, yeah. um, I've written a few notes down. I mean, I've, I've actually spent a part of the morning looking for the origin of the expression, gone for a Burton which was RAF slang from the Second World War. Um, no, there's no clear definition of it, but like, there was no clear definition of that game yesterday, really. Um, very frustrating afternoon. Um, very, you know, the, I, I felt that we've, we, we've let three points get away from us there. There's no other way to put it. Very disappointing. Yeah, massively. Massively there. Uh, I mean, first half, first half, I thought it was only one team, innit? I really did. I was... I'm not sure whether the second half sort of like dampened down people's like opinion of the first half, but I was I couldn't believe when people at the end of the game going, "Oh, what a dreadful game overall!" When I was thinking, "Hang on, in the first half we were a better side. We just couldn't put the ball away." No, it's it's, it's a lack of um, it's a lack of finishing, and, and Neil Harris after the after the game refers to to that. Um, he says we let ourselves down to, and I think he's right. Um, you know, and he also makes mention of taking responsibility for the for the overall for the result. Um, it's a poor performance when you you throw away points against a side as poor as Burton. I, I thought they were um, they were they were very you know um, ragged overall. But then again, they've come and got what they wanted out of the game, Michael. They came with a plan, didn't they? Oh yeah, you're right. The thing is, I was saying to someone yesterday as well. If if you look at the Burton side as well. Not only are they punching above their weight, but some of the signings they've got and some of the players they've got aren't really championship level, neither. No. If you look at Marvin Sordell, he coming from, was it Coventry? That he came um, from? Yeah, he's been around, around the houses, hasn't he? Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? I mean, <coughs> you know, he's not exactly the most popular player down the den anyway, but he's a player you look at and think, well, that's a surprising signing when they signed him. Bywater. He's not really a championship goalkeeper, neither. No. And Walnock was on loan at the was wasn't he on uh, at loan at Wigan when they was in one recently? Yeah. So you know they've got a very makeshift team. So I, you're right. We really, really should have should have should have comfortably won that game. Also, as well, I think we had looking at stats, we had 13 shots. I know the majority of them were blocked, but you you can't have 13 shots and not produce anything. No, 13 shots, um, but just two shots on target. Um, which is which is saying something. I mean, I, in fairness, I, I thought um, I'm contradicting myself in a in a way, Michael, because I'm saying uh, Burton were poor, and I thought they were poor, especially in that first half. They looked um, 
well, League, League One was doing them a favour at one point. Um, I thought they looked very ragged. Um, but then again, it's up to us to break it down, up, break them down. It's up to us to produce the moments where those 13 shots that are on the BBC website, I'm looking at now, turn into at least one or two goals. And um, that, that's where we're failing. Um, if, if there's going to be an accountability, it's got to be up, up front, in my opinion. Morrison and Gregory. No, exactly. I've, I've, I've wrote on my notes here before we came on. Gregory just seems to have. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Gregory. I said last time I was on, and I do defend him a lot, and I think he's very good on the shoulder. Last man, <clears> yeah. but he just seems to have too many chances, and he just doesn't take them. And and it's 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 becoming the same argument all the time with Lee Gregory, and especially when you've got Elliot on the bench as well, who does seem to either when he gets his chance he does take it, or like in the um, most recent game against Birmingham when he has a shot. Yeah. And the deflection from the shot results in a goal. Elliot must be thinking, what more do I need to do to get a start? It was a tweet. I've, I've picked up a couple of tweets this morning. I won't overdo these today. But a chap called Play DJ says, Morrison, Morrow and Greggs have played just under 37 hours of championship football. Just two goals to show for it. I haven't, I haven't added up the number of hours they've played. But um, I'll take um, Play DJ's word that it's 37 hours of championship football. It certainly feels that much, Michael, doesn't it? Um, yeah, with just two goals. Now, um, you know, I, I said last week on the, when I did the little Channel 5 thing, bad luck, a bit more luck in front of goal. But um, I think we're going to have to start to think about a refresh up front. Um, Elliot must be asking why he's not starting at the moment. Um, I'd even question why Aidan O'Brien is on the wing where he's ineffective and he's not playing in front of goal where he is effective. Um, Aidan O'Brien, funny thing you say that. I've um, even on my match report yesterday. I mean, they're not they're not massively popular. <laughs> when we lose, I don't no. get the feedback I want. But and then it's like this show, mate. Like, no one will listen to this. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think you just beat me dead. Um, but I thought O'Brien was probably man of the match yesterday, and really? it might have been a combination okay. of he was lively when he was on. And he was probably the best of a bad bunch. But, I mean, looking at what I wrote yesterday in some of my notes as well, for the first quarter of an hour, I thought we were pretty good, like I said. We linked up well. The front six were good. And o- O'Brien had a-, a few decent chances. Um, I'm not sure the reason why Harris took him off. He must have had a reason. But I was surprised when he took him off. But, again, contradicting what like you were earlier on contradicting, that was a miss he shouldn't have missed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're certainly in a rut. Um, in terms of goal scoring at the moment, that that much is for sure. Um, I mean, when when Elliot came into the game and we were down to ten men by that stage, we'll touch on that later on. But um, he he does bring more more energy. He's, he's probably a more limited player than Steve Morrison, in all fairness. Mm. But these these teams, and I think Nigel Clough said said as much in his in his press conference that they they if they can deal with Gregory and Morrison, in other words, smother them, then. Most teams will regard that as, as the way to, to get something out of the game at the den. And we need other players to step up. Um, and not really seeing that at the moment, are we? Not really. Which, going back to what Clough said, I think that's a quite a peculiar thing to say, considering, like we said, they've only scored, what, two, three goals between them, and most of the goals have come from Savile and Wallace. But they're being you smothered. Know? They're being smothered, aren't they? I mean, you know, yeah. it's by whatever means necessary. I mean, I think they were physically manhandled a few times yesterday. Um and they're going to get it. I mean, they are a decent pairing. They're having a bit of a, a, a dry spell at the moment. Mm. But, you know, teams see them as a danger. There's a good reason why that is. It's because they are a danger. But um, we've got to expect that our most dangerous players will be receiving attention, which means others have got to start coming into the game. You mentioned Aidan O'Brien's miss. Um, 
and you know players like him and, and to a degree Jed Wallace I think is over overcompensating as a consequence mm. it's up to others to step forwards yeah no no you're right um, with, with that with, with the stepping up I might say something that's incredibly controversial now but it'll make for good ratings um, <laughs> Go he's, he's not sort of been playing the way he has been recently and if he keeps playing this way Will Savile appears to be a bit of a flash in the pan from the way he started the season he looked a lot better earlier in this season. I'd also throw Tunnicliffe. I know that you, you, you're a Tunnicliffe uh, defender when we've spoken previously, Michael. But um, Yeah, the, yeah, the um, Tunnicliffe tattoos book for next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm less impressed by Tunnicliffe and I think he's, 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 he's kind of taking Savile down his Tunnicliffe route of, of, um, of, of um, averageness. Um, I mean, Ben Thompson, who we all, we all know and we all love, when he did come into the game, produced more energy and more... Um, action than Tony Cliff did in, in the last couple of games I've seen him. So um, Thompson, for me, um, yes, he has his limitations, but he made something happen. He produced some energy, um, and that was largely missing, especially from the first half yesterday, where I thought the game got away from us. Really, if we didn't we didn't seize control in that first half, I, I kind of had that dread feeling we're going to lose out overall. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about Tony Cliff as well, though, because um, it just shows how different everyone sees the game. Because Charlie, who we spoke to before the game yesterday, yeah. he said Tunnicliffe was his man of the match. Did he? Well, yeah. that, I'm well, argue my, my match report that I put in <laughs> was his, in the fans' afterthought. He was the uh, he was Tunnicliffe's man of the match, he said. Uh, having seen Charlie wins fists, I'm not going to argue with him. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, it was... Uh, a frustrating afternoon. I mean, Burton came to slow it down, didn't they? And they did. They did what they did well enough from their perspective. And I think um, Clough said something about how they they were relieved. I think it was an odd word to use in the context of a football match to a relief mm-hmm. to get a result. Um, but the constant going down injured, the constant slowing it down. I mean, when Sordell was exchanged for one of their players, he, he said be going for like the, the um, it's like an old person going for a walk with their Zimmer frame getting off the pitch. You know, it was that it was that slow. Yeah. Um, but then we're going to have to expect that, aren't we? Um, teams will see coming to the den as a, you know, coming away with a result as, as a massive achievement. No, of course, and especially when, you know, I think if we would have, if we would, if we would have won yesterday, we wouldn't have been so like seven or ten points clear of Burton. Yeah, if, if we would have beat them, so you know that's that that's a massive that's a massive three points for Burton. Let's touch but on the, touch on the sending off. Michael, I, mean, I was just about to say that. Yeah, we've avoided the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. Uh, did you think it was? Not in real time. No, I mean I thought a yellow card. It was. It, I mean, there's a, a post here. I'm just going to mention Stephen Jones on Twitter. He says, as much as Wallace uh, can be class, he needs to have a look at himself. Why make that kind of tackle fifty yards from goal? And he, he'd made a run to make the tackle. He'd, he'd put some effort into making that tackle. Um, and I think <clears throat> it, I didn't think it was a red card. No, um, I thought maybe a yellow would have been a fair decision given that he, he clipped the boy from behind. But. Um, is he trying too hard? He's out of the game for out of the, uh, the the picture for three matches now, unless we appeal. But is he trying to is he trying to carry the team, Michael? Well, I've, I actually thought it might be a combination of a few things. One, it might have been just it was a bad professional foul. You know, like we were saying about the red card. When when the ref ran over, I generally thought he was going to pull out the yellow yeah. to show the Burton fans, look, I've dealt with it. There's no need for you to yeah. to get involved. Yeah. And then when he pulled the red out, you know, everyone everyone just couldn't believe it. But about five minutes before, Flanagan did catch Wallace. So yeah. Could it have been a combination of one, a bad professional foul, two, I'm trying to backtrack because no one else is stepping up, and three, 
he's just caught me five minutes ago, so I'm going to put one back on him. So quite possible. The, the standard of refereeing yesterday was was poor. No, um, you're right. It was atrocious. Atrocious. Referee. I mean, we we said it last week at Cardiff. I went down there, and again, the referee was the the point of uh, the you know the conversation after the game, and it cannot be good for the game of football where referees are and their decision making are, are are so central to to the result. I mean, it really ought to be the players that def, def, uh, you know define the win or loss, and as it is, and as it was yesterday. Referee Tony Harrington changed the game with that sending off. After that, Burton started to believe in themselves, and of course, lo and behold, got the got the break, didn't they? Yeah, I've, I wrote a tweet, you know, about five ten minutes before the end, where it's basically a sign of a good ref is one you don't know is there, yeah. not one who's at the centre of attention or, or you know, involved in the big decisions. You know, a referee should just let the game flow, just let the game go, and like I said, maybe flash the occasional card if need be, but not get too involved. But also what you were saying about, you know, Burton seems growing confidence. The contrast in the back, I think it was back five they were playing, or a back three with wing-backs. Yeah. With Burton in the first half to the second half was huge. And it was the red card, like you said, because in the first half, they were literally challenging each other in the air, getting in each other's way. It, it was just, it was like panic defending. And it, it seemed to work because obviously, you know, the deflections were coming in, but there was no organisation or structure to the Burton's back line, I felt. But then yeah. when yeah. and then but especially with Flanagan at fullback, there was a couple of times where he had about five yards on Gregory early on and Gregory actually beat him so the ball managed to get across him. And then similar with Wallace, about ten minutes later, he again had the beating of Wallace, but then Wallace somehow managed to skin him. But then after that red card the organisation just fell into place, and, and we weren't getting through that back line. No, I suppose we became we became even more predictable with um, Wallace out of the game. That that takes the uh, any idea of getting down the flanks and, and crossing from the the byline backwards. It's going to become a, a relentless bombardment down the middle, which is kind of the the only option we had at that stage. So at least they know what we're going to be doing. Um, you know, it's it's one of those situations where uh, I suppose. The degree of perspective is called for. It's very hard in the aftermath of such a frustrating, disappointing loss. Um, we are still five points clear of the relegation zone. Um, that's the first third of the season over, I think, very roughly, give or take. And we are certainly not um, amongst the thir- three worst teams in that division. <clears throat> but we are, at a moment, probably we could have all predicted where the squad was stretched because of the injuries to Webster, to, to Williams, and now the loss of Wallace for three matches, Michael. The, the yeah. squads, the, the, the seams are being sh- stressed, aren't they, of the squad? Um, the question really is, going forwards, um, do we have the players that are going to step forwards and try and um, attain the, the, the form we showed earlier in the season? Uh, is, is there a depth? Um, up front, there's definitely not. No? There's, the, the, we definitely need... Um, an, an extra option, even if, like you were saying, we, we consider O'Brien up front. But I've said recently on like Twitter exchanges with people, I'd leave O'Brien where he is. I think he's playing really well out there. Would but you? You'd leave him on the wing, would you? Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay. I think because what he offers you from out there and the way he manages to cut in from there, it adds like an extra dynamic to the attack. And for like a young player who... You know, a few years ago, like we were saying about under Holloway a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? but a few years ago under Holloway, he was very in and out of side. For someone to actually, in his first few seasons, to get as many goals as he's got from that position, mm. I think is a real advantage. Because then, you know, 
you manage to get, you managing, what did he get last year? 15, 16 goals or maybe even something like 18? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, if you, you get that from the wing, <clears> if, 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 if his name was Aino Brian Dino, He'd be worth 30, 30 million. You know, Brian Dino. <laughs> you know? Is it time to bench Morrison or Gregory or both? Is it time for Elliot to... I mean, if I was Tom Elliott, I would be wondering, why. You know, what have I got to do to start here? Because um, there's certainly no signs at the moment of the of the front two breaking this rut, you know, despite the attention that teams are giving them. Um, is it time for a refresh up front on, on a more, more regular basis? No, indeed. Um I think still still persevere with Gregory because I think where he does offer that on the last man like on the last man on his shoulder and he's got that pace that Morrison just hasn't got anymore. Yeah. I'd stick with Gregory, but yeah, M- Morrison. I mean, I mean, your friend Harry a little while ago said about Morrison after the um, after the Birmingham game when he said people were writing me off. I believe he said. <coughs> um, yeah, yeah. But he's he he can't play every week. It's just it's just too. Too high a standard for him. No, I think the, not. the pace is relentless in this league. And and one one point I did pick up is, and it's a cliche you hear on other in other um, shows and and you know in, in the written media, anyone can beat anyone in this league. It's, it, it, there are no easy games. And as we saw yesterday, if if you're going to pick out an easy game, Michael, that was probably one of them. And it didn't look so easy on the day, did it? Um, we 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 conspired and they managed to produce a situation where we, we struggled. Um, and that's that's the championship. It's a, it's a tough, relentless league. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But, it, I mean, and it's also one of those things as well where a couple of weeks ago we was looking up, you know, a couple of wins, we might be up there. Now it's, uh, yeah. hang on, that, that, that trap door's getting a little bit closer. We're not worried yet, but we've still got to acknowledge it, it might be there the way we're playing. There's a tweet here from Dodgy Dave. He says, we've gone from being the best mill team in years to being League, league One fodder. Uh, we're doomed he's written in it I think he meant it ironically Um, it is that sense of perspective Um, we've got to grind out wins Um, yesterday was probably one where we would have expected to have have prevailed and we didn't so there we are it's been and gone next game is is Sunderland away Um, another game where really despite it being at the stadium alike we've got to go up there with some expectation to bounce back from that and get a result because you know they're, they're also struggling I think they're bottom of the table at the moment yeah, I think if we don't get anything from that Sunderland game, not just Neil Harris will say it to the players, but they've really got to look themselves in the mirror. You know, because Sunderland are in an absolute dire situation at the moment. And as much as you don't like to see other clubs in that situation, you, you've you got to exploit it, especially when you're in Millwall's situation. Yeah. You've got to go up there and go, right, this team pretty much don't know what they're doing. They've got no manager. There's no confidence. The fans are on their back. Let's just get as um, as many goals as we can up here because this because all we need is one goal and this could easily turn into a home fixture. The way the fans will be on their back. Sounds like so Harris really... Harris had some harsh words for the team at uh, post match yesterday. Certainly, his comments in the in the press conference imply that um, you know one of one <laughs> if there are any egos in the team, then they may well have been punctured as a consequence. And I, I make you right. Mm. That's a huge game looming now in two weeks' time up at Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, I just want to close um, before we close out. I um, just want to mention the pre-match remembrance ceremonies. I thought it was handled perfectly, Michael. That was a real tribute to both the club and the Mill Supporters Club for what they produced. Um, I thought it was a fantastic ceremony. Yeah, no, full, full, yeah, exactly. Full credit to all those involved as well. They done really, really well to organise all of that, and um, also full credit to the Millwall fans for and the Burton fans for observing Indeed. silence so well. Yeah. Absolutely, um, fantastic um, 
act of remembrance. One thing our club does very, very well each year, and we, we kind of take it for granted, is the acknowledgement of the debt that we all owe to our, our, our armed forces, military um, men and women. And that was fantastically done. Um, what a disappointing morning. <laughs> it wasn't quite the show yeah. I was anticipating. But I want to say a big thank you to Michael for um, stepping up and coming on the show. Um, at, least, well, at least someone from me all stepped up, eh? <laughs> That's a nice way to finish it. Um, there might be a, there's an international break next weekend, and I'm away the week after, so I might might be a slight um, pause in transmission for a few weeks now. Um, I'll see what I can do to try and get something out next week, but um, I'm away the week after, so we we may well be back on the next formal basis on in in early December, one way or the other. But there we are. Big thank you to Michael Avery for coming on the show. It's lovely to meet you yesterday, mate. I hadn't, I hadn't actually met previously, merely spoken, and. Um, I'll tell you what, looking at your pitch, we've definitely got faces for radio, haven't we? <laughs> Arriva Dirty Millwall. You've been listening to Octoon Millwall, the CBL Magazine podcast. That's the Millwall News this week, and we are out of here. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>